Welcome to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Wes McAdams. Here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. I want to start today by reading from Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 16, which says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made." So they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Today on our Bible study, we're going to be talking about idolatry, false gods. I'm going to be visiting with my friend Jordan Arnold and talking about how he's been studying and teaching and preaching about how God is so much better than the false gods that we forge and inherit. I hope that you enjoy this Bible study, and I hope that it helps all of us to learn to love like Jesus. Jordan, welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Well, thanks for being here. I've I've been listening to uh, uh, several of your sermons lately. We we met at Red River, and uh, I I really enjoyed getting to to hear you and Billy McGuigan teach together, uh, talk about Hosea and and just some of the great points that you brought out there. And and then ever since I asked you to come on and be part of this series, I've been listening to some of your sermons about Rahab and Ruth and Micah and his his lucky Levite and, and some of the, the teachings that you've been doing lately. And, and so I thought, man, I, I can't wait to have this conversation. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've been teaching and what you've been studying lately? Yeah, well, first of all, McGuigan, Billy's, um, man, what a fine man. Uh, what a, what a good brother. Um, no doubt. yeah. Um, so I, yeah, uh, what I've been preaching, teaching, talking about lately um, is, is really kind of a focus on on what Jim McGuigan calls the massive subtext of, of the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, this theme of God versus the gods, um, and looking at some of the uh, kind of the, um, the inconspicuous gods that we have uh, among us, uh, just because they're not titled doesn't mean they, they don't shake the foundations of the earth. Uh, that's, that's really been kind of my focus lately. Yeah. 
meant. And some of the the quotes that you, I, I wrote down a bunch of stuff. I I may should save them until later in our conversation, but they were so good. I I wrote down a bunch of the things that you said about these false gods. Um, and and feel free to elaborate on any of these quotes or or tell me if I've gotten them wrong. But uh, I I love what you said when you're talking about Micah's idol being stolen from his home and you said any god you create can be taken from you it's like yeah. oh man that's that's rich you said false gods die from neglect yeah um you said whenever uh well i'll go to this one uh oh man this was so good i really want to come back to this idea you said the love of god is what no false god can give you're talking about the idea of these the things that we we go after the 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 meeting of our of our physical needs or the meeting of our basic needs but the thing that that we really need is is the love of god and and i mean that's you know right at the heart i think of romans 1 and just such a rich just such a rich idea so wow th- these these thoughts about our false gods and what those false gods might be and um, how we, we struggle with them and not even knowing or, or being as honest. <laughs> Maybe the ancient people were more honest than we are in in calling them gods and, and acknowledging that that's what they were doing, that they were worshiping these false gods in order, of course, they didn't think they were false, but worshiping these gods in order to gain these things when sometimes maybe we're just not honest with ourselves about what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, I think... Um... I mean, I, th- I think all of Scripture, uh, in a, in a way, is is kind of an a- exposition or commentary on Exodus three, um, mm. the revelation of God as this um, as, as being itself, right? I mean, God is the source of being, uh, the source of meaning. Um, but the God, he remember Moses, he sees the the bush burning, but it's not being consumed, and so he asks himself this question: Well, what? Why? Why is this bush burning and it's not consumed? And of course, it's the revelation of God. And I think the text invites us to answer that question. What is the nature of God that he's different than than the gods? And and the God of Exodus 3 discloses himself as the self-existent, the being, you know, the being itself, um, ontologically different, uh, a different category than all the other gods. Um, he, he doesn't compete. He doesn't he doesn't derive his his existence from a stream of worshipers like a hidden propane line or, or something. He, he burns but doesn't consume. He's 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 other. He exists uh, to give, and therefore all is is, is grace. Um, I, I think, uh, yeah, when God discloses Himself, and, and that's that's a that 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 self disclosure of God is opposed to all the various ways we might imagine God to be, mm-hmm. or or the way that we assume that God is based on our understanding of fallen sinful man who are God's images, right? Um, but uh, uh, God is of a different sort. Yeah, amen. Talk, if you will, in, in your notes, when we kind of emailed back and forth about our conversation today, you said the gods we inherit or forge— that, I, you were you were such a brilliant guy, and I, I hope that you have people in your life that are telling you that. But but our texts back and forth and our emails back and forth, I thought, man, I am intellectually out of my depth with Jordan. He is you are uh, such a brilliant guy. But but like every sentence that you write, that I, I feel like it could be it could be fleshed out and expanded upon. And you said, God versus the gods, the gods we inherit and forge. I mean, let's just stop there for just a second. Like, talk about that, if you would. 
inheriting gods and forging gods. Like I thought, man, that that's such a brilliant just turn of phrase, an idea that we do. We inherit gods and we forge gods. So expand on that if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, I think you can see that when the children of Israel uh, are, are are there in the wilderness. It's the gods of Egypt they bring with them. I mean, the title's mm-hmm. the same, right? Uh, this is Yahweh. This is the one who brought you out of Egypt. But the, the table of contents is completely altered. Uh, they're bringing the gods from Egypt they've inherited. Um, and, I, and I think there's an analog there to, you know, the, the various cultural... Uh, the gods of sex, the gods of, 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 of nation, the gods of tribe, the God, you know, all uh, the, the gods that I, I think maybe a definition of, of what we think a God is, is, is important. Um, a God is what we seek or who we seek or something that we seek to derive transcendence, that we seek to derive meaning, um, that we, that, that we seek as a, as an end and source of, of the goods that are necessary for life. I mean, we need, I mean, fertility is a good thing, right? Um, shelter is a good thing. Uh, um, uh, the thunder, the lightning, that, 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 that's a good thing, but they're not ends in and of themselves. They're not, um, they're not arranged under the I am, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so whenever we exalt or we elevate these things that by nature are not gods, um, they can only lead to disappointment. Like you said, they can be stolen for starters, and they will be stolen uh, because God refuses to let us um, uh, to be ultimately victims of our own um, ignorance, uh, darkness. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. When and and you said something in one of your lessons. They they all kind of run together in my mind because I've been listening to all of these kind of back to back. But you said something about how people don't like when you tell them that their gods aren't real. Yeah. And 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 we do. We we inherit these these ideas, these gods um, from our family. From you know, again, sometimes we forge them ourselves. Yeah. But but some of them are so inherited and so enmeshed in our culture that to to kind of call them out. And and this is one of the things that I really appreciated about your lesson at Red River is that you were willing to go there. You know, you were willing to mention some things specifically that that we struggle with. You you mentioned the the military industrial complex, you know, as one of the things you mentioned as sports. I often joke, I live in the Dallas area and I often joke about how when I go to Arlington and there's the Ranger Stadium, well there's two Ranger Stadiums now and uh, the Cowboys Stadium and Six Flags and I always think that a thousand years from now they're going to dig this up and they're going to say this is where Texans came to worship their gods. And and we I, you know, I can't help but imagine how similar these these structures are to the the Roman uh, the Roman temples and so you know we we have these things but when they get called out and when people you know point out you're giving your loyalty your allegiance your devotion to these these false gods there can be a lot of pushback from people that that get very uncomfortable when you call out their gods yeah yeah um and, because I mean, we don't like to get nobody likes to get called out, right? I mean, nobody, uh, and and it's not just, I mean, there's an there's an embarrassment, right? I mean, an embarrassment that wait a minute, what I've given my life to is what Paul calls nothing. 
right? Uh, yeah. And that, uh, yeah, what, a, what a Kierkegaard would say, there's no sorrow like remembering the future that you don't get to have. Uh, and to see, I, I mean, I've wasted my life. Uh, I've, I've, I've sought meaning um, in, in that which just definitionally can't provide meaning because itself is a creation, right? Um, and that's the, that's the source, I think, of uh, the, the meaning. You know, I think there's a meaning crisis kind of running the day in the Western world right now. Um, mm -hmm. this collapse of meaning this, um, because I'm not orienting myself to the true image of God. I'm, I'm orienting myself. And, and, and I mean, it's, 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 it's axiomatic biblically. You become like what you worship. And when you're mm -hmm. worshiping wrong gods, you, you become blind. You have eyes, but can't see you have ears, but can't hear you have feet, but can't do anything. You become, you become worthless. And I don't mean that in, in a, in a, in a personal sense. I mean, you, your, your life becomes devoid of meaning. Mm. Um, what do I mean by meaning? Well, like, like what, what makes a sentence meaningful? Well, the subject and the object agree, like, like there's a relation between the subject and the object, but whenever we become detached from the object, um, well, you get the meaning crisis that we have that manifests as the, the mental health crisis, suicide mm. rates, um, uh, you know, these anti-creation moves, uh, like, like the transgenderism movement or this, this, um, I can no longer recognize my place in the world because I can't orient myself objectively and agree with the God who's mm -hmm. making sense of things. Mm -hmm. yeah? So we become intelligible, uh, and our lives become unintelligible. Um, and that's the, that's, that's the meaninglessness of, uh, uh, the modern or postmodernity, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's, I mean, there's so much. I, I feel like we could just stay on this one question or this one thought for so long. Just, just how we are so guilty of chasing things, like you said, that don't matter, and then we find that at the end of that, we find that our lives don't matter when we when we orient, I love that word, we orient ourselves towards something that, that doesn't matter. So let me ask you this, what, what initially piqued your interest and thought, this is, this is the idea that I really need to focus on for a while and, and really help people to, to see? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, from, the, from the time I was in high school, I mean, I read a lot of Sartre and uh, some of the existentialists, so I probably brought some of it on myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's this, as, as a Westerner, as a, I'm a, I guess what they would call an elder millennial, so 39 years old. Um, but I, I mean, just, just culturally, that's the, that's the zeitgeist. That's the moment we're in. Um, this um, man has tried to create Get rid, of, getting rid of the creator. We've had technology, um, uh, industrialization. Um, we've we've realized we can create the world according to our our own whims, mm. our own desires. We have the technology. We have the capability. Um, and so this sense of well, if if if, well, what what's God useful for anymore if He's not mm. <laughs> just making stuff? Um, and so I, I think it was a confrontation with my own lack of, of, of meaning, um, my own lack of 
purpose, I suppose. And then um, my wife and I, we were we were missionaries in, in Slovakia and in, in Central Europe for about seven years. And uh, living in Central Europe, kind of the post-Christendom uh, milieu, gives you, I think, a foretaste or a kind of a preview of, of what's to come in uh, mm-hmm. in our as, as post Christendom kind of descends on 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 our country. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I think about this this moment that we're in culturally, and I, I feel like there's so much division and polarization, and there's sort of it's everything is seen in this binary of right and left and blue and red. And I don't know what it's like in Europe, but, but certainly we, we see these like cultural war issues, but we've already brought up a couple of different things. And, you know, people on one side seem to be chasing X, Y, and Z and people on the other side seem to be chasing A, B, and C. But I feel like, and I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but I feel like both sides have their, their idols that they're, they're chasing after. And it, it's sort of this, this, this division between two visions of the world, but both, both have their, their faults and, and are really chasing nothing. And, and I feel like if, if we're followers of Jesus, that, that we have to stop, we have to stop going after either side and thinking, oh, okay, well, these, this side's gods are so much better than this side's gods. And in fact, it kind of reminds me of that conversation that Joshua has, and, and you brought this out in one of your, your lessons, and he asks, you know, the, the commander of the Lord's army, he, he asks this, this angelic being that, that he's, he's having this conversation with, whose side are you on? Are you on our side or are you on our opponent's side? And Neither. he says, Neither. <laughs> right? And I feel like that's, that's how we should be at this moment in our life. You know, this yeah. one side of our culture is chasing the gods of sexuality. The other side is chasing the gods of nationalism. And it's like, I, I don't think God is for either of those yeah. sides. And God is calling out the idolatry of both. But I think what unites the two, so the, the side pursuing idols or the side pursuing, I mean, unrepentantly or un, un, uncritically just headlong in pursuit of idols or, or or the godly person in pursuit of God, what unites them both is that pursuit of meaning. They're looking to make sense yes, of this yes. thing, right? How what, what, Where is the agreement? And and the Christian thing is, yeah, you, you're the image of God. God puts his idols on this earth. They have ears that can hear, eyes that can see, and feet mm. that can walk. Uh, and therefore, his idols have a job to do. Mm. Um, and I think that that realization of meaning is that's 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 the thing. Um, mm. I mean, in Genesis, whenever God remember, whenever God puts in Genesis two, when God puts man into the garden, there is an infinitive to work it, to to grow. I mean, to to be fruitful, mm-hmm. to be God's partners in this thing. Um, uh, and and so like there's a reason that we identify our work like whenever I introduce myself, hey, I'm Jordan. What's the next question? What do you do? That's tied to my identity. That's tied to my image, right? That's and, and what's underneath the surface is purpose. This is your meaning. The the work that God gives to do. It's not the work that you you know. The imperative is not go out there and just figure out something and, until Jesus comes. No, it's it's to subdue the earth. It's to make this earth into the uh, the temple of 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 God. Um, mm-hmm. His dwelling place will be with man. That's 
We, that's the most exciting thing about being a Christian, like Stan Harrowis says. We wake up every morning with a job to do. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And and that's really, I mean, this this truth, this big this big truth about not only who God is, but who we are. You use the term his idols. I that may need some clarification. You know, yeah. I what you know, but but you're exactly right. That's that's that word, that acone. That that's that's what we are. We are his image. We are his uh, same same word for for idols. And yeah, right. that's. The, the the truth of this big picture of scripture. So speaking yeah. of scripture and the big picture, are, are there any particular passages that have really you found really helpful, and and what have you been been studying and, and pouring yourself into? And a lot of what what I've heard you talk about is um, you know Old Testament text and and the prophets and the period of the judges and what what really has has stuck out as really helpful in scripture for you. Um. Yeah, I, I think probably deal, looking at the foundational texts, like like the the Genesis one and two and, narrat- and three narratives, um, looking at uh, Exodus three, not just not just as etiologies, right? Like, oh, this is how God made the earth and how He populated. Okay, yeah, that's there, but it's 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 a it's a polemic. It's it's an argument, right? It's not just uh, it's not just there for information purposes to satisfy curiosity. It's there as the foundation of this is who God is. This is who you are, and from that kernel, you're supposed to grow into the person God's making you. Um, so I think dealing with those tech, the narrative uh, narrative text. So um, to answer your to answer your question, like precise texts. Yeah, I think these foundational texts um, that are parad- or paradigmatic texts, I, I think have, uh, we, we've got to pay more attention to. Yeah. Um, because yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned you, earlier, you, you mentioned a phrase that I think you're kind of referencing from Psalm 115. I'll just read it for people. Uh, Psalm 115, starting in verse 3, says, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak, eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear, noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel, feet, but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them." I love that phrase, and and you you referenced that earlier. Those who make them become like them. Any thoughts on that idea that we become like the idols that we make? Is that is that still true? Well, well yeah, because we're made in God's image, and and to to replace God with something else, well, we're going to reflect that mm. uh, as a mirror dimly. Um, you know, like the, <laughs> uh, I mean the the, the um, yeah, you, you, when you worship the God who is, I mean, this is what we exist for, right? The church isn't an app that, that exists. So, okay. As a social, no, no, we, we exist for the worship of Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, that's who we, that's, that's who we are. And, and that's okay. So being conformed to his image, isn't just a matter of waking up every morning and say, okay, now I've got to strive to be a better person. No, it's rooted in the worship of, of Christ. And, and I think that, that um, 
as we become a society more and more detached from one another because we're detached from God, when we don't, when we're not able to recognize the image of, of God in, in the world, um, that I think that's behind. I know, no, I don't think I know that's behind our dysfunction, mm-hmm. right? I, was that muddy enough? No, no, that's exactly uh, right. That's great. I mean, that's yeah. I think that, that's exactly right. When we when we worship something, we reflect we reflect whatever it is that we're focused on, whatever we yeah. devote ourselves to, and you know, and there's so much in scripture that 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 mocks that mocks their gods. But I think if we if we apply this to our own life, that we would recognize that it mocks our gods, the gods, the things, the things that are, I love the way that Tim Keller describes a false god or an idol, is that it's a good thing that we make an ultimate thing. So what, whatever it is, you know, whether it's family or it's sex or it's, you know, it's, it's uh, a food or... Yeah. yeah, justice. Absolutely. Whatever it is, it's a good thing, but it's not an ultimate thing. And when we make it an ultimate thing, a thing away a from which we cannot live and we devote ourselves to it and we think this is what's going to give me meaning. When yeah. we focus on that and give that our ultimate attention, then we are distorted because we're yeah. like you said, we are bearing the image of something that isn't God. Yeah. And ultimately, that is rebellion. I mean that that's mm. the real problem, right? I mean it's it's a rebellion, it's a refusal to be who God says I am. It's a refusal to recognize who God says He is, right? Um, and I mean that's the Romans two, uh, Romans one and two development, right? Like it, it starts somewhere. It starts with ingratitude. Mm-hmm. It starts with not um, honoring God as we ought and giving thanks. And from that, you know, it unwinds into into idolatry um, because we it, it starts with the first thing. Um, and that really, I mean, it, it's almost embarrassing from a philosophical or a theological. No, the failure starts when we stop telling God thanks. Mm. When we don't recognize, yeah. like, that's where that's where idolatry begins. Gratitude yeah. is a powerful antidote to false worship. Mm. Yeah, that's that is so rich, and I hope people stop and and think about and recognize the truth of that. That this all starts with a failure to to show gratitude to God, and and I just sitting here thinking about how we have really replaced in in for all practical purposes, we have made things like devotion to sports or devotion to cable news and and politics we have made that our religion like you said we have taken the things that we depended on god or that the ancient people depended on their pagan gods their false gods we we we've solved those problems so to speak with technology and so we have replaced god or the gods with these other things and so we have made devotion to those things like devotion to politics if we think it's politics that solves all of these problems and we've devoted ourselves to politics as our it becomes our religion that is for all practical purposes that is our religion and and there are a lot of people that are sitting in our pews every sunday but monday through saturday their religion is is devoted to the TV screen so that right. they can tell you know whose side is winning. Yeah, yes, and and it's not just devotion like passively. You can tell who a god is by the sacrifices they demand. 
Mm. Right. I mean, it's it's not that the it's not that uh, it's not that the the false gods are just um, uh, just benign objects that we misunderstand as powers. No, they make sac they make demands that you give me and I I provide. You give me your allegiance. You give me the time. You give me your money. You give me, uh, and and whether it's, you know, whether it's devotion to the latest health fad that we think is going to deliver us from the effects of aging and natural death, or, or whether it's, um, yeah, anything that we're seeking life from, that we're seeking our meaning from, that we're deriving our sense of who we are, that is not the I am we're uh we're 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 in forging idols yeah there's a line in in the in a recent acapella song uh, desiring god i don't know if you've heard that song but but there's a line in that song that says when the gadgets that we own start owning us back yeah and and that's the thing with idols is that they own us they they promise us all kinds of things which they never deliver they they yeah. overpromise and underdeliver but then they they enslave us and we become slaves right. to to our idols and and it it distorts us as we've been saying it it changes us yeah i think i so, think that's so, probably a good illustration uh, an analogy like whenever we're reading the old testament and, and we wonder well why was idolatry such a perennial issue for the israelites why when they come into the you know the land of the philistine or land of canaan why are they so drawn to the to the gods of the philistine well i mean okay imagine uh coming to to the singapore or the united states from some remote uh third world place in africa and everybody's got their cell phones but you have a certain law that says but for us cell phones are forbidden what do you mean i'm not i can't have what the people have and so like we we can't I mean, the, the, the seductiveness of idolatry is is more than we can imagine, I suppose. Well, it's not more than we can imagine. It's in front of us, but it's more than we recognize because it's so in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is a really good, is a really good analogy that that it, it, it was in the air that they breathed. It was in the water that they drank and the food that they ate. And, and it was just, and, and the, the social pressure to... To go, in fact, you said something like this in, in one of your lessons that that when a group of people believe that in order to have crops, in order to have rain, you have to sacrifice to this God. Anyone who doesn't participate in that becomes an enemy. You, yeah. you are an enemy of the state. You are an enemy of the people if you aren't sacrificing to our gods. In fact, early Christians were known as atheists, not because they didn't believe in a God, but because they didn't believe in the gods of the people. And if you're not worshiping the gods of the people, if you're not honoring them, then then every time there's a calamity, every time there's a problem, we're going to blame you because yeah. you did not participate in yeah. sacrificing with the rest of us. And that social pressure continues to exist. And when you say, hey, I'm not going to go along with, hey, I see why you, you like this thing, or I see why you, you, know, you, you think this is important, but I'm not going to give my allegiance to it. I'm not going to give my devotion to it. I'm not going to worship it. Then you become an enemy, and it's like, hey, if you don't get on board, you're not one of us, and and so we we have to choose where our allegiance lies. Yeah, and that and there's no escaping the choice, right? And there is no escaping the choice. It's not you can't get out of life 
without making it. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it. We we push off the choice as long as we can't. But no, God is going to. What will you do? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's um, yeah. Well, before we take a, a little break, let me ask you this, Jordan. How has this study changed you personally? Yeah, um, I think it's it's changed me personally in that I feel uh, uh, I feel a connectedness to man. Hmm. Like I, I recognize myself as man. Sometimes when we talk about humanity, it's like it's like oh, here I'm up on a hill overlooking humanity and making judgments on it. Like I'm not part of it. No, like hmm. I'm 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 as. Uh, I, I, We've been oppressed by the gods. We've been, I mean, the, the foundations of our earth have shaken, but Psalm 82, from these gods that we've created and exalted and, and worshiped because of the real power that God gives to them. Uh, so I've, I've just I've been able to recognize myself as being uh, just as subject to the, to the, the siren song of the gods as, as anybody else. And, and the insidious ways they... That the gods appear in my own life and insinuate themselves in my relationships. Um, it's made me aware of that, and I think it's helped crystallize my focus in preaching. That um, I think preaching is is got to be about proclaiming the truth of God, front and center, not good morals, not better homes and gardens, but the truth of God, because from that streams everything else. Yeah, yeah, that's a great place to take a break. My family absolutely loves movies, but of course we don't love the bad language, gory violence, and sexuality depicted in so many movies. One scene or a handful of profanities can make it so we just won't watch that movie. That's why we love VidAngel. Believe it or not, the VidAngel app allows us to filter our movies and television shows. We connect our Amazon, Netflix, or Apple Plus account to VidAngel, and then we can filter the shows and movies through VidAngel. It allows us to customize our settings so that if we wanted to, on a certain show, we could remove all the bad language, but none of the violence. We can set the filters however we want them. My family has used VidAngel for years, but now you can help support Radically Christian and try VidAngel for free for 14 days. Just go to radicallychristian.com slash vidangel. Radicallychristian.com slash vidangel. I hope you enjoy it as much as we do. Okay, thanks for listening. Now back to our Bible study. Well, I'm really enjoying this conversation, Jordan. I, I want to encourage people to to check out your congregation's YouTube channel, the Hooker Church of Christ, and and listen to some of the lessons that you've been bringing. But as a as a preacher in a congregation, uh, you're talking to people about their life and and about Scripture and about God. And so, let me ask you what what are you hoping that people are are learning from these lessons and seeing that they didn't see before? Yeah, um, I think for myself, Wes, uh, and you can you, you'll be able to appreciate this as a as a as a minister. You know, I, sometimes we, because our salaries are being paid to let us have a job where we get to think about these things and digest these things and focus on 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 these things that that dominate our life. Uh, I think the realization that what I do is not other people's job necessarily. Mm. Right. And that, um, that, um, that we exist for one another, right. Doing the, um, 
what has helped me realize um, is just the, the the ways that God's people are being prevailed upon by the gods in their own lives um, and having sympathy for for whenever, whenever, whenever Jesus sees the crowds, you remember, he, he sees the crowds like, uh, like, like, like sheep without a shepherd, helpless and harassed. It's not an anger, you idiots, you, you with your false gods, you with your, your issue. No, there's compassion and there's sympathy mm-hmm. and there's, um, uh, the, the, the heart of, of God who, whose greatest goal whose hope is to rescue people from pharaoh to rescue people from these gods that are oppressing that are destroying that are depriving them of life um so it's result that's what i'm hoping that mm-hmm. that um that my preaching uh exalts god to the rescue of his people yeah. um, is that esoteric or not es- is that is that uh, well, yeah. it was, it's a great it's a great answer, and I I mean it, I, it really it reminds me about especially I keep thinking about the Gospel of John and 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 how John tells this story about Jesus and and that it's the truth that sets us free, and I think so often that idea gets taken out of context, but but this is this is the truth. This yeah. is the pull back the curtain and show right. people what's going on in the in the cosmic in the cosmic scope of things, what's going yes. on apocalyptically and showing people the beasts that they're worshiping and the dragon behind yeah. those beasts. And then that Jesus, the son of man is on the throne. And, and that's a, an amazing thing that we get to do that and, and, and sort of help pull back the curtain and show people yeah. the, the capital T truth. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think we, we can't discount that Wes. Like Christianity is a, it is a comprehensive worldview. Right. It is a it, we understand the world fundamentally different than those who uh, know not God or obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Not that's not because like we're better. That's not the point. The point is, is that we're living in a different world. We've entered eternity present. I mean, eternity has invaded the present. Um, like like you can't. Life's got to change. And I know I, I know we can't walk around all the time like on cloud nine, just just stunned and in awe. You know, that, that because of Christ's appearing, because the true God has revealed himself, that everything has changed. There's a, there's a glow about everything. I know we can't do that all the time. We wouldn't get anything done. Um, but every once in a while, shouldn't we be stupefied by the, <laughs> just, just left speechless yeah. by the revelation of God, that God, the true God, the creator of the ends of the earth has, has come. And he's come as my brother. Hmm. Uh, like that's the truth of God that, yeah. uh, you know, we sing that, we sing the, the, the beautiful hymn, how firm a foundation, um, what more can he say than to you? He hath said on the cross, when the true God ex- reveals his heart and when he excloses, when the God of Deuteronomy or Exodus three, the burning bush, God exposes himself personally. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the revelation of God among us walking among a, a, a the god it happened like that should stupefy us and that that and we can't go back to our lives and and have the same allurement to the to that we can't yeah like you said we can't look into the gob or we, we can look at the goblet from the outside but once we've been told the filth on the inside we can't go back to it 
You know, I, I think so often, I, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this, but I, I think so often when I grew up and I heard the word truth, like the truth of scripture or, you know, the, God's word is truth. I, I would think about a set of, of facts. I would think about a, a, a system. Yeah. Propositions. I would think about truth in that, in that sort of way. But when, when you think of it as the word I like to use a lot as a synonym is reality, that this is, this is reality as opposed to the illusion. And yeah. that's what these false gods, I, I think, represent is this yeah. illusion that seems true. It seems real. It seems real. I mean, the Washington DC <laughs> seems real. It seems yeah. like this is, this is the, the yeah. place where all of our problems are going to be solved. This is, this is reality. And, yeah. and even, sports to a, a certain extent or, or whatever it is that we devote ourselves to it seems like reality but then jesus comes along and says no all of this is an illusion all of this is is passing away all of this is but for a moment it's the yeah. same thing solomon said it's the same yeah. thing that god has always been revealing about what's what's true versus what's an illusion and and when right. we get to be a part of of helping people to see that it's it's really a, a blessing right yeah, I mean, I mean that uh, theology and wrong theo wrong headed theology. It's all the same. We're asking the question, um, what is God like? And whenever the logic mm -hmm. of God appears, whenever the logos becomes flesh, turns out the logic of God's love. Like it's that's the reality. That it, like more real than electrons and neutrons is the creative love of God from which everything He is flows. Uh, that's that's the reality of the world. Uh, that's the truth. It, it, it's it's incarnate. It's not propositional. If you accept, if you jump through our hoops and sign on the dotted line, then you can have the truth. If not, no truth for you. No, <laughs> the truth that relates is a person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, and it goes back to even this idea you mentioned earlier about this idea that what's the big deal with idolatry? You know, why did one is why did people why were people drawn to it the the idols of Canaan but but also the idea of I think a lot of people read these Old Testament texts and they wonder well why does God get so upset about it you know what and and I hear skeptics make the claim all the time well God is just he's needy you know he wants to be worshipped like what kind of a God is this yeah exactly that's exactly and so and so I think that that this idea helps explain that because if God really loves people if he loves human beings and he recognizes recognizes that when you orient your life towards something that isn't real isn't true isn't good for you yeah. then of course he's going to be heartbroken to see you live your life according to a lie and yeah. want you to reorient your life according to what is true because it's not only good for him and for his agenda but it's good for us as well right. to orient our life around the truth right yeah what, what was what is lewis's line about um uh um Oh, you know, I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sunrise, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Yeah. You know, that's uh, that's uh, when you when you've seen the, tr the, the true revelation of, of God, then. Boy, kind of, you know, the world loses its shine a little bit, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So so let's go beyond just the the intellectual, you know, as yeah. as you're as you're preaching and you're teaching and and you're hoping that people will change the way that they think about certain things that also obviously needs to translate into the way that people live their life. So what do you hope that people do differently? How do you hope that they apply what you're teaching to their everyday life Monday through Saturday? I think just as an example, um, I think maybe the way that we uncritically relate to our technology would be a good mm. place to start. Um, you know, I mean, what? Okay, that 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 little that that little portal in your pocket. What um, to what ends are you using it? Is it for the glory of God? Mm. Um, the true, the, the one God, <laughs> or are you just using it as a portal to pursue what other values you exalt, you know, in this place? Um, I think, I think that's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we, we mentioned technology a couple of times and it, it really has struck me recently how technology gives us this false promise almost like it's not our God, but that it it is a, a magic box by which we can become gods, that, that it gives us what we falsely believe is the ability to transcend the natural boundaries and, and restrictions of the, the natural world so that we become all-knowing and all-present. No longer are we restricted to being in one place. I mean, right now we're taking advantage of the ability. Right. You're in Oklahoma, I'm in Texas, and right. we can talk to each other. We don't have to be limited by by space and time. We can be present in in so many places. No longer are we limited to a handful of friends. It makes you wonder how many people did the average person interact with in the ancient world? Probably not nearly as many as we interact with today, but there are consequences to that desire to try to be more than we were designed to be, to try to be present everywhere. And it's no wonder that we struggle with so many things that we struggle with because we're trying to be gods and we're not capable of being gods. Yeah, Douglas Murray talks about in in um what was it, the uh, anyway Douglas Murray talks about that like there's this that feeling that we all have that you're on a a, a treadmill going too fast for you to keep up with hmm. like that's not just your experience like that's that's the you know like that's that's almost exclusively like the effect of technology right I mean that that sense of so you combine that you know high speed with a sense of meaninglessness and you just rush to the to the cliff that much faster right um yeah yeah. so it's a it's it's not it's not a single there's not one place to look for the gods they're they're among us that's one of the things that that john mark comer's book ruthless elimination of hurry really helped me to to wrap my mind around was just how how detrimental that that fast-paced life is to our spirituality and one of the things i try to do is on saturdays limit it's hard to totally eliminate my use of of smartphone from my life but but limit my use of smartphone on saturday if nothing else on saturday i want to be limited like enjoy the actual limitations that god placed on us 
of space and time to yeah. be present with the people that you're physically present with, to just be here in this place and not try to be more than you are and try to go further than you're supposed to go and know more than you're supposed to know and yeah. just be present. And it's amazing what a gift that is. We think of that as a as a restriction, right, right. but like you said, otherwise we're on this treadmill and we're we're running ourselves to death. Yeah, I mean, the true God walks when he walked among us, uh, chose to live at a time in which he walks three miles per hour as the speed of life, mm. not not the 80 miles per hour in the false, you know, the world that we're trying to create for ourselves with a missing God. Um, yeah. God, he walks it. Uh, yeah, he's I think that's a really good point, Wes. Thanks for bringing that out. Oh, well, I mean, they, I, I love the, all of these ways that you're talking about false gods and our, our need to, to call them out and to recognize them for what they are and, and expose them. But you're exactly right. Like a very practical application of that is just to critically examine how we're using how we're using technology. That's what I think. I, there's a lot of you know things that that I would probably in the practical not appreciate about the Amish community but but at least in a in a theoretical sense uh, I that's what I've been told that the Amish community does when a techno technology comes along is at least critically examine it fr from the perspective of the community and say will this technology be helpful or good for us accomplishing what we're supposed to be accomplishing yeah. and whether or not they actually do that or not it's a great question to ask and I, I feel like so often we don't do that we just assume that a new technology is a good technology and we need to just adopt it and and our life is changing yeah. and we have become what I, I think is interesting is we used to be dependent on one another you know if if i needed even just within my lifetime if i needed to get to the airport well i'm going to i'm going to call jordan and i'm going to see would jordan mind waking up a little bit early taking me to the airport so that i can catch my flight well now i don't have to do that anymore i don't have to depend on friendship because i have i have uber and i have lyft so i don't have to depend on on friendship and so we have eliminated community from from yeah. our life but instead of being dependent on other human beings that reflect the image of god now i'm a slave to and dependent on technology and if i don't have my phone well right. i don't know what to do because now i don't have friends that can actually do for me i i'm not dependent on a community of people who love me and who are there for me now i am dependent on this faceless technology that has yeah. become i think that i'm its master but actually right. it's the other way around yeah 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 there's something um particularly insidious when we use technology to uh to continue on the the self-deception that we're god mm -hmm. right oh i don't need god because i've got this buffer that i can accomplish things just direct i push the button and it does I, what do i need god for you know what it's the i've got this technology i've got this i've got the and yeah that innate i mean the worst thing that god can do is is, is say okay your will be done all right. you, mm. you 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 live in that lie right and when we live in that lie look around that's the condition of the world right that's the uh yeah. it's not a surprise yeah well and it, it's something i've been pointing out a lot in in my teaching lately is is just how the self has become our God. And I think technology is one reflection of that. The way that we view sexuality is another reflection of that. And how everything in, in our culture and our world tells us, 
you are ultimately the determiner of ultimate truth, your yeah. truth, live your truth. You, right. you do you, be you, discover you, and, and just do whatever it is that you want. But the truth is, I'm a horrible God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not a good God, and I will destroy me. Yeah. I don't even know what I want. And even if I did know what I want, if I got it, it probably would be, like you said, the very worst thing that could happen to me. And so our, everything around us tells us to be our own God and to obey our will, and, yeah. and that is the worst thing we could possibly do. And that, that, that's the human condition. That's not, that's not a Western situation. That's the, like in the garden, right? I mean, whenever the, whenever the first couple is like they, what, what, what is the temptation, but to attend to the wrong theology, but, but, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that, right? What, what, what instinct is Eve pursuing whenever she, she sees that the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil is good for food to be desired to make one wise to well, what's being done is there's an assumption right that the satan tells the tells man you want to be like god right that's not a bad thing that's not a bad thing yeah he, he he's his purpose is to call us to his own glory and excellence we're to become partakers of the divine nature no bad thing but the the assumption of man is that well god must be god because he want he takes what he wants he does what he he just he just he, he just uh, what he does is right. Uh, that that there is no internal f- no. And the reality is that that God exists as as in, in love. Like like whenever God doesn't just take, he doesn't just uh, pursue and take and and forge his own. No, he's um, um, he gives. Yeah. And I love that you pointed out the the bad theology in the garden. I mean, that that's the thing is God was nothing but generous right. and, and merciful and gracious to, to Adam and Eve and gave them all of the trees to eat of all of this abundance. And, and the only thing that they could focus on when Satan brought this up was what they weren't allowed to have, which was for right. their own good. Right. And, and so there was this assumption that God is stingy or God is cruel or God is keeping something good back from them. And so, you know, again, it's, it's ironic that, that they wanted to become like God when they were already as close to being, they were made to be God's image in right. the world. And yet they, they assumed something about God that wasn't true. Yeah. Theology matters. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. If you, if you went back and you, you re-preached uh, some of the things that you've already preached or retaught some of the things that you've already taught, is there anything you would, you would say differently or an emphasis that you would make that you didn't make or changes that you would make and you think, I, I wish I'd put more emphasis on this or I would talk more about that or anything like that? Yeah, yeah I think so, probably. Um, that, like, I don't know specifically— uh, I think probably I'm guilty sometimes of wanting to educate rather than enlighten, mm. you know, or, but I mean, there is, and there is like, that, that's a, that's an easy, easy problem to have. Or sometimes I get in the mode where, boy, you better listen. Cause I'm really about to tell you about something. I'm going to tell you something about God, boy, I'm about to tell you something about God. You should listen or just get around to talking about God. Spend more time talking about God is, is probably, um, saying good things about God, uh, that uh, we, we create worlds with our words, the preacher in, a, in, 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 in Colette, or in, in Ecclesiastes, what does he say? Like the preacher sought good 
words. Uh, I, I think sometimes I've been more guilty of wanting to educate than enlighten. Well, I tell you that every time I've heard you speak, I've felt enlightened. So I, I do appreciate the the illumination that you bring to to people's life and to the to the word. And and you do you do such a marvelous job of of speaking well about God. So what's what's next? What's what's on your agenda? What are you what are you planning on teaching and uh, and going towards next? I'm really wanting to spend a lot more time in the epistles. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna give a go at first Corinthians, but, um, right now I'm, I'm, uh, Billy McGuigan and I are kind of, uh, hashing back and forth a preaching schedule for next year. Like we're, we're we've got the idea we want to kind of preach on the same themes and develop, uh, develop, uh, text together. Um, and so I'm looking forward to, to that. Any, any, any excuse to spend time with McGuigan's, uh, good excuse. Absolutely. He's he's a great mutual friend. I think he'll be on the podcast in a couple of weeks and oh, I'm so thankful for I'm so thankful for Billy and and I'm thankful for you Jordan. Thank you for this time to, today, but mostly thank you for your work in the kingdom, brother. Thank you so much for listening to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. If you have just a moment, we would love for you to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening. It really does help people find this content. I also want to thank the guests who join me each week, Travis Pauly, who edits this podcast, Beth Tabor, who often volunteers her time to transcribe it, and our whole McDermott Road Church family who make it possible for us to provide this Bible study for you. Now, let's go out and love like Jesus. Jesus.